Um, and then also with the month of August, so if you guys remember, I want to say the month of June, I came up and gave kind of like a, I called it the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit commercial, right? You guys remember those? So we're going to try to do that again for August, and it's going to be based on a couple weeks ago's message about equipping us to walk with the Spirit more and more each day, different phrases you could say, different ways for us to grow together as a, a church and as a family. And so as an example for this week, just something to think about, how many of you guys pray um, to grow in the fear of the Lord? You know, like that's a good prayer to pray, you know, to grow in the fear of the Lord. And the, my favorite scripture on the fear of the Lord is Psalms chapter 19, verse 9. It says that the fear of the Lord is clean and pure and endures forever. So it's clean and pure and endures forever. So even in eternity, when we have resurrected bodies, we are going to fear the Lord. And it's going to feel clean on our spirits. And we are going to enjoy that feeling. So how many of you seen The Lion King? You know, like the original Lion King. All right, so there's a part in Lion King where there's these hyenas that say Mufasa, which is the lion's name, and when they said it, every time they would shiver, and then they would say it again because it felt good to them. You know, but at the same time, it brought fear to them. When I think of the fear of the Lord, that's what I feel on the inside. When I'm praying and asking the Lord during the day, hey, I need to fear your name more. Increase the fear of the Lord. And what I do is I say, Jesus. Jesus. I say it out loud, and every time I say it, inside I tremble, and I, it brings joy to my heart, and the Lord is allowing me to feel how powerful his name is. And I'm walking with the Holy Spirit, so when I say, Holy Spirit, let me feel the fear of the Lord when I say his name. When I say, Jesus, and I say over and over, it creates an atmosphere, wherever I am, of holiness and respect, but enjoyment of saying his name, and I'm feeling the power of his name. Does that make sense? So I encourage you this week, as like your little assignment, if you want to grow in the fear of the Lord, you by yourself just say Jesus' name out loud over and over a couple times. But before you do, you look inward and you say, Holy Spirit, teach me more of the fear of the Lord. Let me feel it. Let me embrace it. Let me walk in it. Amen? We do have, you know, it's always good to hear good news, right? You know, so I was walking in here this morning about 8 o'clock, and I opened up the door, and I felt this cold breeze come out. And I was like, what? The AC's on. When did that get fixed? And so I guess it got fixed Friday night. Um, the electrician was able to find the fuse that was... 40 years old on eBay and able to buy it and ship it and it worked and they plugged it in and it hasn't popped yet. So we have air conditioning. It is a big prayer that is answered. Me and Dennis are no longer in the gates of hell with the office of sweating. So uh, we are very thankful for that. There's still a lot of um, updates that will need to happen, you know, like updating the panels, updating air conditioners, et cetera, et cetera. But let's rejoice now in the moment that it's on and we are not sweating in there anymore. So. so as you guys remember, a couple of weeks ago, I preached on um, how to walk in the spirit, 
how to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to uh, build off of that again today because there's just so much to talk about and so much to learn about it. And it, the more we bring it up ahead of you, the more you will practice it throughout the week. And again, I'm in this season of really loving the book of Daniel. So you might be like, why are you talking about Daniel and you're talking about the Holy Spirit? You know, did Daniel have the Holy Spirit? I just love Daniel right now, so everything that I'm filtering is through Daniel. And so I am like so excited about Daniel that this morning I was driving in the, my car thinking about what I will do when I meet Daniel for the first time. You know, I was thinking, I picture Daniel like a short guy, you know, about like this, really skinny. And I just imagine when I get to see Daniel, just give him a big bear hug and like pick him up, you know, it'd be a, just give him a big kiss on the cheek, you know, like I just love Daniel so much. And uh, in their culture, kissing is totally fine, you know, in the Middle East. Uh, so just make that clear. Uh, so anyways, let's get uh, to it. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because many of us have heard the stories of Daniel since we were kids, right? Like they're very familiar stories. And when we encounter something that is familiar to us, sometimes we lose the, the fascination of hearing the story or understanding something new. So what I'm going to ask you to do today is I'm going to pray for us that we'll have a fresh spirit of wisdom and revelation fall on us to where when we look at this story, we see it in a different way than just thinking of it as a child, as a story we already know. So Lord, I just thank you um, for this church. I thank you for this body. Jesus, we love you, and we just ask you to send the spirit of wisdom and revelation to us, that you would open up uh, the book of Daniel to us, that you would give us new eyes to see and new ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be focusing on Daniel chapter 3. Um, if you guys want to turn there, I'm going to give you a brief overview of Daniel chapter 3, and then I'll start reading in verse 16. So in Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar builds this big statue of himself. And he orders everybody in all the regions that he's over to worship it every time they hear the certain uh, music get played. They have to bow down and worship the statue. And Nebuchadnezzar is the king. Daniel is uh, a man in charge. And then three other men of Daniel's friends are in charge. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? So we're all familiar with this story. So they're in charge. The decree goes out that the music plays, people have to bow, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't bow down. The people that Daniel, Daniel placed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over certain other leaders in this area. Well, these other leaders see that they didn't bow, and they don't like being under these Israelites. So they go tell the king, hey, these ones didn't bow when you did it. So the king brings them over to him and says, why aren't you bowing? He's really mad because he's having a huge party. It says everybody that were leaders in all the areas that he was over were at this party having to bow. So he's a little embarrassed. He's angry that the people that he has placed in charge are not bowing. And he gives them a second chance. He says, okay, when they play, you bow. And this is their response. Let's go to verse 16. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not in need of an answer to give you concerning this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to rescue us from the furnace of the blazing fire, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he doesn't, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods nor worship the golden statue that you have set up. So that made Nebuchadnezzar so mad that he ordered the furnace to be set ablaze, and it said it was like seven times hotter than normal. So it's this raging furnace. He's angry, and it says in the, later on, you keep reading, that he got his mighty warriors, his strongest people, to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, take them over to the furnace, and when they opened up the door, the fire was so hot, it shot out, and it burned and killed the mighty men. And then Nebuchadnezzar is looking into the furnace, and he sees four people walking around in the furnace. And he says, didn't we just throw three in? And their response was, yes. So then Nebuchadnezzar looks, gets close, and he says, come out, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they come out, and then he says, your God is the God who saves. That is the declaration of Nebuchadnezzar of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God. And you're like, well, what does this have to do with walking in the Spirit? So much of walking in the Spirit, fellowshipping with Jesus, fellowshipping throughout the day, the number one thing that hinders us is discouragement or um, offense towards God. And so when we look at Daniel, when we look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God knows exactly what they're going through in that very second, right? He knows so much what's going on that as soon as the door gets open to the furnace and the mighty men die, there's an angel sent from the Lord there to protect them. Immediately, if he was a second late, they'd be dead. So often when we find ourselves in hard situations, the number one thing that comes out of our heart is, God, you don't know what's going on in my life right now. You don't see the pain that I'm in. You don't see the problems that I'm going through. And so when we feel that we put up walls towards God and we start blaming God for the bad situations we're in, and we're no longer seeing the bigger picture. And so what I'm trying to say is when we're walking with the Spirit day after day after day, we are going to face bad things that happen to us. Because we're in a fallen world, because we interact with people who don't love Jesus, because we interact with people who do love Jesus, but they're wounded and they hurt us. And when that happens, our response shouldn't be, oh, well, God doesn't see me. It's the, res the response that we see of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego towards Nebuchadnezzar. They declare, hey, our God will save us. And even if he doesn't, he still can save us. And he's still good, and I'm not going to do what you want me to do. It's a heart response towards the Lord, knowing who God is, knowing who we are to God. It gives us confidence to say, God will do this for me. Even if he doesn't, he's still good, and it's not going to change the way I love Jesus, and it's not going to change the way Jesus feels about me. Now, many of us can quote and say, there's nothing in heaven and on earth that can come between my love and Jesus. 
We know that. We say that. We've said it since we were little. But there's difference of walking it out. Of believing in your heart that you are the one that Jesus desires. And he will do everything that he can do to help you. But sometimes our timetable doesn't line up with his. Right? And here's another story I want you to turn to. I mean, it's Matthew chapter 11, verse 1 and 6. And I will explain it to you. It's about John the Baptist. John the Baptist is in prison for standing up for righteousness. John hears that Jesus is in the land. He sends his disciples to go talk to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, are you the one that I've been looking for? Are you the one that I thought you were? And Jesus responds, blessed is he who's not offended of me. Go tell John this is what's been doing. I've healed the blind, I'm casting out demons, I'm raising raising the dead, and the gospel's preached to the poor. So Jesus is saying, hey, everything that you've been looking for, I'm doing it, but you are in a bad circumstance right now, and your life isn't actually what you thought it was going to be. Don't be offended. Don't be offended when you're in those hard situations, because I'm still good, and I'm still doing the work of the kingdom, but you are facing trials right now, Endure, because then Jesus goes on later in the verse and he says, there's nobody greater than John the Baptist. So then he starts declaring who John the Baptist is, how God sees John. He declares it, but to John, John thinks he's stuck in prison. He's like, why did God forget about me? Is this, are you really who you say you are? And from heaven's perspective, John is, is the greatest born of a woman, Right? There's a different perspective from heaven than, the, than our personal perspectives when we're facing trials. You know, in James chapter 1, I'm just going to kind of summarize it. It says, um, James chapter 1, I think it's verse 2. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your will produce endurance and endure to the end. Because if you endure to the end, then you will be fulfilled, right? I think I just totally butchered that. (laughs) It sounded better in my head before I started saying it out loud. So now I have to quote it. So James chapter 1. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, Let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect, lacking in nothing. Count it all joy when you find find yourself in various trials. How do you find joy when you are in a trial? That's the number one question. How does that even work? And it works because you understand that the trial has nothing to do with how God feels about you. When we're in those trials, our immediate response is, God, what did I do wrong? What am I doing wrong that you are punishing me? And from heaven's perspective, the trial is producing endurance in you, so you will be faithful in the end. Many of the people that we read about in the Bible, that we want to see, that we want to hug, I want to hug Daniel, you know, or John, or John the Baptist, or anybody you can name, many of them have been martyred, right? When I thought, think of them being martyred, my first response is, how did they endure until the end? 
How did they endure being tortured and not giving up the gospel? How did they endure and not and being their fingers ripped off and being cut open and bleeding everywhere? And in their heart, they're still choosing to love Jesus and not get offended at him. And the Lord was speaking to me out of James saying, they had the trials that led up to that moment. They produced endurance their entire life to that moment to where when they faced the biggest trial of their life, their heart was open to Jesus and didn't accuse him of not being faithful to him. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says all of these faithful ones died without receiving the promises that God had spoken over them. Now, why is that? The promises are true. The promises are coming, but we're expecting them right now this second. You know, I am a millennial. I grew up with the microwave. I want everything fast and quick, and I don't want to wait. And when you read the Bible, it's all about endurance, 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 endurance. It's like Thanksgiving every day for lunch. You have to wait six hours for the turkey to cook, and you're starving to eat it. That's how we are with Jesus, and that's how we are with the Holy Spirit. We are starving for more. We're starving for our inheritance. We're starving for the promises God's spoken to us. And he's saying, I'm going to give them to you. They're coming. Endure. Amen? Amen. Let me take a drink. One thing you can look at when you look at Daniel... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, they were friends. It says in chapter 2 and chapter 1, you know, when you actually read the whole book of Daniel, they were probably friends in Israel before they were captured because they were noble young men and they probably knew each other. And when they come along, what you see is when, when one gets promoted, he brings the others with him. When, one, when somebody's in need, they come together to pray and seek the Lord. But yet Daniel's the one who gets the understanding of the vision. But they're a team. We have to have a team. You need to have to have a team. Everybody in this church needs a team. Now, we as one church are a team. But you need to have a core team that you're accountable to, that you go to when you're in need, that you go to and tell them your problems without worrying how they're going to see and affect, like think less of you. Because if you're real with people, they'll be real with you. And what does this have to do with walking in the Spirit? Walking in the Spirit is a team. You can't do it by yourself. If you do it by yourself, in my mind, this is how I picture Daniel chapter 3 going, if I was by myself. Nebuchadnezzar, hey, you, he's speaking to me. Hey, you better bow or you're going to die. I'd probably bow. Because in that moment, I'd be filled with fear. But if I had my closest friends who I've been growing up with and spending time in prayer and fasting with, and they're behind me, with me, I'm going to have courage to do the right thing that God's called me to do because I'm stronger together than I am separate. I'm going to say that again. We, we, as a church, are stronger together than if we were separate. So much right now throughout America, more and more isolation is happening in the church. People are staying home. People aren't going to church. People aren't wanting community anymore. They're like, hey, I can just watch TV, show up, say hi, and leave. We are losing 
the, uh, the power of unity as a body. Because we've been wounded. Because we've been hurt. Because we've been offended. Because we stopped talking to the Holy Spirit. When we talk to the Holy Spirit, he will bring us to people. He will unite the people around us, even if we're in disagreement. We will be united. And it's because we carry a teachable spirit. If you talk to the Holy Spirit throughout the day, asking him questions, asking him for help, your spirit will get more and more teachable. So when other people talk to you, you don't get offended right away. You don't build up walls. You listen and you hear the correction. Now here's an example when the Holy Spirit corrected me probably a week or two ago. So my youngest son, Lincoln, is the easiest kid out of all four kids. He doesn't usually do anything bad. He doesn't talk back. He does what he's told, you know. And so he did something wrong. I think he was playing on a video game instead of cleaning. And I said, Lincoln, I told you to clean. You're grounded. You know, for a week from electronics, go clean. And he's like, I'm sorry, Dad. I don't know why I did that. I apologize. And as soon as he said that, and as soon as the words came out of my lips, the Holy Spirit inside said, do I treat you like that? And I'm like, no, you don't treat me like that. You're not quick-tempered. You, you don't put me in a box right away when I screw up. And I said, Lincoln, I'm sorry for yelling at you. I'm sorry for snapping at you. Do you want to do over? Do you want grace right now to do the right thing? He looks at me and says, yes, Dad, I would. And I said, okay, you're not grounded. And he got up, he did his cleaning, and then he went back. But the point is, if I wasn't talking with the Holy Spirit and knew his voice, I would have still have put judgment on him. And I'm saying, I'm not saying you don't punish your kids. Please don't take that out of context. I'm just talking about this one instance when I responded wrongly and harshly over a small thing and made it a big thing. And the Lord corrected me and said, do I do that to you? And my response is no. He doesn't do that to me. He treats me with mercy and grace. He leads me to repentance. He brings me around with love. And that's how we're supposed to love our children. And that's how we're supposed to teach our children to hear the voice of the Lord. Because I can tell Lincoln, I said, Lincoln, Jesus just told me through the Holy Spirit that I did that wrong. Well, what do you mean? How does that? It opens up questions in our households with people around us when we bring up the Holy Spirit because people want the Holy Spirit, but we're, we haven't been taught how to communicate with him, how to talk to him, how to listen to him. And it's a process. We start today, maybe three or four years from now, we'll feel confident. Oh, that's his voice. I'm going to do exactly what I just heard. But it's a process of learning and failing and getting up and being okay when we miss it. I could tell you countless stories of when I missed what I thought was the Holy Spirit, and it wasn't the Holy Spirit, or I interpreted it wrong, but the point was it's about our heart response to Jesus and to others in the moment to choose to love and choose community. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego were stronger together than they are separate. Now, when we go down this journey of walking with the Holy Spirit, we can all admit we're different in this room, right? We have different birthdays. We look different. Our relationship with God is different. Every single thing about us in this room right now is different than somebody else. 
Jesus created you differently, right? You need to learn your own Holy Spirit language. So when I'm giving you these phrases, these phrases that I taught two weeks ago and any phrase like today, like with the fear of the Lord, that's my personal language that I have with Jesus. It may work with you or it may not work with you. And the way you figure out what works for you is you try it. And if it doesn't work, then whatever, when you say Holy Spirit, what should I pray right now? Whatever you feel or hear or sense or imagine, that's your language. And you speak it out. And the Lord will teach you along the way your language with, with the Lord. Now, for me, here's a, here's a, a dream language I'll share. I mean, not dream language, Holy Spirit language. When I say the word Holy Ghost, immediately I get filled with joy. Immediately. Like, it, it puts a smile on my face. I'm happy no matter what's going on in my life. If I say Holy Ghost, I get excited. I want to party. I want to move. I want to, like, get up out of my seat. But if you said Holy Ghost, maybe it doesn't do any of that for you. Maybe you saying a different word does something different. So... When you find the words that ignite your heart with the Lord, say them. Say them as much as you can. I'll be walking in Walmart and say, Holy Ghost, come on, Holy Ghost. And me and Emery will just start laughing as we're going down the cart. She doesn't have a clue what's going on. But the point is, is we're bringing joy to ourselves and just fun laughter. It doesn't have to be this strict, like I'm going to sit down with the Bible, open it up, and I'm going to read it for 30 minutes to feel his presence. That's not what I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to teach you. He's inside of you right now, and he desires for you to know everything. Jesus says he sent the Holy Spirit to reveal all things to you, each one of you. He wants to teach you. He wants to show you. He wants to move inside of you. And the way we do that is to communicate with him with friendship. Now, I think we can all agree that I am not the best preacher in the world. I think we can all agree I'm not the best teacher. Maybe even in this room you could say all these. I, let's be realistic. You could say that about this room. I'm not the best preacher. I'm not the best teacher. I'm not the best father. I'm not the best husband. But what I am the best at is being David Gonzale. I am the best David Gonzale you will ever meet in your entire life. <laughs> Nobody can do what I can do. Nobody can act the way I act. Nobody can think the way I think. Nobody can look the way I look. Even if I had an identical twin, there'd be something different about me. And God created me to be me. He created you to be you. And the way you walk with the Spirit, with joy in the midst of trials, is knowing how proud he is of you, how much he loves you, how much he desires you, how much he cares for you. All of these things, all the big plans he has is for you. And when you feel that inside of your heart and you start living in that direction, you will see the massive change in your life when trials come. When trials come, you, it can still bother you. You can still be worried about it. It can still affect your emotions. 
But deep within your heart, you know, the Lord is faithful. He sees me and he loves me and it will work out. And even if it doesn't work out the way I think it's going to work out, he's still good. He loves me and I'm his favorite. I am his favorite. You know, so when you're married, usually you rub off on the other person, right? And so my wife and I, we got married really young. And uh, this has been my DNA since I've been saved. I am God's favorite. He loves me more than anything else. He died for me. He's not mad at me. That is my thing. My wife struggled with some of that. And so after talking to her so much about it, now, this is a, it's supposed to be an example, but it's true. Uh, same, I like to mess with people, okay? I like to like irritate people and kind of mess with them and get them on edge and then kind of laugh together. Um, so sometimes I poke my wife in different areas that mess with her, you know, that she doesn't like it, but I like it. And she knows I like it, you know. And so an example is, is like when she's up, and I don't actually believe this, I just do it to mess with her, I'm making that very clear. I'll snap my fingers, like saying I want like her to get me a drink. And, and she will do this look, she'll go, oh no you didn't. And I'll go, sometimes I'll go like this, again, you know, just to mess with her, like on, put the icing on the cake. And if I cross the joking, you know, like, because I, I'm always joking, but I always kind of take it a little step farther to where maybe she'll get mad. And so when, when she gets to that mad point, she'll look at me and she'll say, you know, you, you felt that, right? And I'm like, oh yeah, I felt that conviction. Soon as that snap came out of my finger, I felt that from the Lord. And what she was saying was, she knew that God would correct me because he's her, she's his favorite and he... He would not allow me to treat her in a bad way without him correcting me, right? So you get what I'm saying? So she's the favorite, you know? So now she believes that before God, she is God's favorite. And she lives her life that way to even if I say or do something mean, she doesn't even have to stick up for herself. She knows that the Lord will deal with me because he loves her. And it was a dramatic shift in her life to now where she walks out with confidence and boldness in many different areas, at work, at school, as a mom, because she knows that God is her favorite and that he's her favorite. We're everybody's favorite before the Lord. But when you think about how much he paid for us individually on the cross, it opens up our hearts to receive his love. He's standing up there saying, hey, I love you. And we're standing down here putting our hand up saying, no, you don't love us. Look at all the bad stuff inside of me. Look at what I just did. You, you can't love this. And Jesus is shouting, hey, I love you. And we're not receiving it because we're blocking the Holy Spirit within us from changing us. You know, have you ever prayed this prayer, Lord, I want to love what you love and hate what you hate? Have you ever prayed that? Yes, no, maybe, yes. Okay, there's some hands. When you say that, imagine the Lord saying, well, you're not loving what I love. I love you. And you hate yourself right now. You are tearing up yourself. 
with guilt and shame. And I love you. What he loves is you. What he desires is you. Where his hope is, is you. Ephesians 1 says you are his inheritance. You. You are what he gets for eternity. You are what he gets because he died and rose again. He desires you so much that he became a man and went through all of that pain because he wants you. And when that becomes not just a message in your head that you can say, but a message that you believe in your heart, your identity as a son and a daughter changes. And that's what I believe the Lord is taking us as a church to start walking more and more with the Holy Spirit because he's here in our midst. You know, I know a friend of mine who just went to visit a couple churches. He went to big churches. One of them, he said, you know, I showed up. The music was like if you were listening to the radio, like just perfect worship music. He said, when you looked in the crowd, everybody was sitting. Nobody was worshiping. There was no move of the Holy Spirit. And he said he went to a different church, and he showed up. Big church. He said the worship was good. The message was okay. No Holy Spirit. But the place was packed. Everything's brand new. I'm saying like mint condition, very modern. Everything's working. AC's not broken. Everything's good, but no Holy Spirit. And all week long, the Lord has been prophesying this over our church. I want you to turn there. Luke chapter 10, verse 23 and 24. Turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that you see and the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see these things that you see and did not see them. And to hear the things that you hear and did not hear them. And the Lord has been saying this over and over all week long to me about this church. And what he's saying is this church might not have the most modern things, right? We might not have the best preachers. You know, we don't have no Joel Olsteins up here bringing in the, the mega churches with all the money. We don't have the radio technology music things. Even the, the soundboard wasn't even working this morning. You know, until like the last very second. You know, our equipment isn't the best. But guess what we have? We have the Holy Spirit. We have his presence. We have his love. We have community. We have things that cannot be bought with money. You cannot buy friendship. You cannot buy the presence of the Holy Spirit. You cannot buy community. You can't. And the Lord is saying, what we have in this church, other people have been dying in pain and wanting to see the things, and they aren't experiencing it, but we are. And many times the Lord just, you know, he spoke to me about it, like kind of convicting my heart. He said, you look at all the things you don't have, and you're not paying attention to the things I've given you. And it cut me to the heart. And so I want to encourage you guys. We have a great church. We have great community. We have great people. The Lord is here. The things we don't have, we don't have. Let's focus on the things that we do have. Amen? Yes. 
So my last thing that I want to share with you about walking with the Holy Spirit. Anointed worship opens up your ability to hear from the Holy Spirit and flow with the Holy Spirit than anything else that I know. And each one of us in this room have different styles of music that we like. So you need to find the worship songs and that you like, that you enjoy, that you feel the Spirit on. And you need to play them. And, and I gave, uh, there's a couple people at our church that are trying to grow in the prophetic and the move of the Spirit and all of that. And as an assignment, I gave them this thing where they had to listen to this worship music. They had to lay there. So it's not they're standing up. You lay on the ground and you hear the worship music play and you just pay attention to where your heart's taking you, where your mind's taking you, where your emotions are going, what you're sensing, what you're feeling. And when you feel or hear those things, you ask God for more. You allow him to take you on a journey when you're listening to worship, but you're listening to the Holy Spirit. And so you should have received a paper like this. It has worship. Um, it's a worship song for anybody online. Uh, it's called One Thirst. And on YouTube, it's called Emmy, Emmy, Emmy Rose. I don't know. And Gable Price. So this song has existed probably for like 10 years. But these two people just played this song like a week and a half ago. I've been listening to this song, and I want to over-exaggerate, over a hundred times this past week. I just play it over and over and over. And every time I play it, the Lord or the Holy Spirit kind of takes me on a journey going someplace new with it. I hear something different. I feel something different. It opens me up to feel joy. It opens me up to feel love. And so what I'm saying is when we are going to play this song, and it's a nine-minute song, so it's a long song, but I want you to close your eyes and just to go where the Holy Spirit takes you to go. He'll maybe take your emotions to a thought. He'll take, he'll, maybe you'll feel something. Maybe you'll just enjoy the words. But I wanted the words printed out because I know it's hard when you hear a song over YouTube and it's new to you, you don't know what all the words are. And I couldn't figure out how to get it on the thing this morning. So I said, best thing is to print it out in front of you. Okay? So what I, the reason I'm bringing this up is that if you can find worship music that takes you into the presence of God, that is the best time to learn how to hear his voice. It's, it helps you be able to identify, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. So I can listen to him. Okay? So I'm going to pray. And then they're going to play the YouTube song. I encourage you when you're home, get comfortable. Lay down. Don't lay in your bed or you'll take a nap. But if you lay on the carpet, it'll be harder to fall asleep. You know, but just imagine yourself before Jesus while the song's being played. And if words help you, then that's why you have this paper. You can sing along with it. You can understand what's being spoken. So Holy Spirit, I love you. I thank you for what you're doing. I ask you to release greater grace in this house for us to feel your love, for us to know who we are before you. Lord, I just ask you to open us up. Open us up with your presence. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Holy Spirit, I just ask you that you would show us your face. Lord, that you would reveal who you are to us. That your glory and your presence would strengthen us. You would unite us in love and in unity. Lord, that we would be faithful. That we would endure. That we would have joy. Open up our hearts to overflow with joy. Open up our eyes to see you. Open up our eyes to see ourselves the way you see us. Help us walk in our identity. Help us walk in our calling, who you created us to be. Your inheritance, your desire. We were created for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we leave, we just have a quick testimony that, uh, yeah, you'll be encouraged. Hi, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Nathan Rains, but I just felt like the Lord was stirring me to share this this morning. Um, so out of context, we're kind of in, I'll, I'll be really brief, but we're, we're kind of, I'm, I feel like I'm as a dad in this season of, um, one of those seasons where I'm feeling a lot of fear for and, and doubt in my parenting and, and everything. And I'm supposed to be, you know, I'm a teacher and an educator and all that. So I, I feel like I'm supposed to be well-equipped, but I'm not at most times. And so I'm in one of those seasons and my son's having a really hard time. His name's Braden. He's seven. But so this morning we woke up and, and he wakes me up in bed and the first words out of his mouth were like, Dad, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to church. I'm not going to church, right? So we spent all morning, you know, it's not a debate, buddy, like, you know, and we spent all morning and there was some stomping and a little bit of grounding and like, it was just like this whole thing. And then um, he, he had said, dad, like, why do we have to do, you know, why do we have to do your thing? Or, you know, he was putting it on me and, and I felt like the Holy Spirit, like, just brought it up in me, like, hey, buddy, this isn't like, this isn't my rule. This is something that God, um, commands us to do for our own good. And the, the verse in Hebrews, we read it together. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as, as it is the manner of some, but exhorting one another um, so much the more as you see the day approaching. And in the version we read, it was encouraging one another. So I was like, all right, buddy, we're going to go to church. But I believe that, um, that God wants to encourage you. He wants to encourage me. And he wants to teach us to encourage other people. So we're going to go to church and believe that he's going to do that. So he's tears the whole way here, a 30-minute drive. And we get here, and we check in. They see the tears in his eyes, and they stop and pray for him for joy. Well, so then we come in, and the dance is about to start. Well, the dance goes, and it was just like his favorite song, right? And I don't know if you heard him, but he sang every word back there. And um, it was just like, and then I get a testimony from somebody else coming up saying, hey, your son, like, just encouraged me. And so I was like, wait, he encouraged somebody. He was encouraged. I was encouraged from the testimony, and I felt like it was my... Um, I need to be obedient to encourage you that that was just all God working. So that was wonderful.
just feel his presence. But let's take that testimony and let's encourage each other and let's be encouraged. Let's grow in community, grow in love, grow in honor. Amen. Have a good day.